everyone, and welcome back to the extras. My name is Sam. I'm here with Peter. Mate, good to be back. It's the uh, it's the B team round uh, again. Here we go uh, yeah, in, right. in Lachlan's absence as we uh, as, as we pull together things on the extras. But we've had a great time in God's Word, kicking off this new series in Matthew over a couple of weeks now, and uh, uh, we're we're back with another round of the extras. This time, thinking about a sermon that you have preached now across most of our congregations, Peter, on uh, the rich young man who meets with Jesus in mm. Matthew chapter nineteen. Um, we preach it in uh, some congregations uh, a week and a half ago, uh, some more of our congregations uh, just on the weekend, just gone. Um, but just to make sure we're all on the same page, can you help us just catch on up to speed? Uh, what, were, what were we thinking about in this part of the Bible together? That's right. Perhaps it's worth saying that uh, if you went to a Super Sunday, you didn't you didn't get this sermon uh, at Morning Church. At Morning Church, that's, that's true. Right. Yes, but you yep. heard this passage, and so it's it's the uh, you know a, a fellow runs up and encounters Jesus. Uh, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And then yep. there's this sort of fascinating um, and and it's in its own way quite haunting conversation yeah. that uh, evolves from there. It becomes clear that this uh, man um, you know, he 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 can't follow Jesus because he's rich. And uh, money has his heart. And Jesus says, well, uh, it's, it's impossible for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. So we spent some time thinking about that. Why is the case? Why is that the case? And, and what might it mean for us as people who are rich people mm. um, to, uh, to try to negotiate that? What should we do if we mm. are rich and we want to get into the kingdom of heaven? It's a sad story, isn't it? Because this man comes up, you sort of feel like, oh, great evangelistic opportunity, Jesus, go get him. And then the man goes away sad because he mm. had great wealth. And so it's an encounter with Jesus that doesn't end how you hope it would end um, because he, he is, yeah, as he said, more yeah, captured by his wealth rather than by Jesus. And uh, it's a tragedy. Yeah, absolutely. It's a tragedy. Uh, although um, it is it's good news for us. Jesus speaks a good and a freeing word here mm. if we can just hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um now, we've got a bunch of questions uh, that we're going to work through together this afternoon. Um, and uh, let, let, let's dive in, hey, and see, see how we go. Um, so a couple just to kind of get our head around some of the details of the passage just to get going. Um, verse 20, if you've got your Bible there at home that, um, or wherever you are, on your phone, whatever you're doing, maybe that'd be helpful to have that open in Matthew 19. Verse 20, um, um, the man realizes he, that after he's sort of begun this question and answer with Jesus that, that he lacks something. Um, and somebody's texted him saying, look, how does this young man actually know that he's lacking something? He says, what good thing do I lack, Jesus? And um, Jesus says, well, sell everything you've got and come follow me. Um, how does he know he's lacking? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, we're not told in detail. I think we can sort of uh, infer from the passage. Mm. Now, Jesus is trying to help this guy to see uh, that his efforts to uh, seek the kingdom are inadequate. Mm. And he's been trying to do this, but first of all, he says, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? So that's his frame. I need to do good things. Yep. And uh, he's been keeping the law, uh, yeah. so he says, yep. uh, at least the bits about loving your neighbor um, as yourself. Mm. Uh, so he reckons he's been doing pretty good at that. Um, but there's still something lacking and Jesus is leading him towards seeing that something's lacking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the, the question that the person's asked, I've just been reading my notes more, more carefully here. Um, they, they've sort of 
recognised that that bit and actually saying, wouldn't the fact that he's kept the commands actually fill him with confidence? Um, mm. Which it seems it hasn't. Is that right? Like he's, he's been keeping the commandments, but he's, he's, he still feels like something's missing. Yeah, that's right. And so I think um, Matthew is trying to help us to see that the, 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 the spiritual inadequacy of keeping the commandments, doing good things to get mm. salvation, to mm. get eternal life, mm. is uh, that inadequacy before God is actually kind of mirrored by a subjective inadequacy as well. I mean, mm. it's not adequate to give this man a sense of security, uh, assurance, and hope for the future. He feels lacking. Mm. Um, he objectively is lacking before yep. God, and he subjectively, within himself also, he feels is it. lacking. He yeah. can feel it. Yep. Um, I think he can feel it because Jesus is actually uh, leading him in that way. Jesus is helping him to see that something mm. is missing. And Jesus actually wants to um, say, you know what's missing? I I am. Mm. But he doesn't know that till he meets Jesus. Yeah, nice. That's really helpful. Um, so then a follow-up to that then. One of the... Um, in the introduction to Matthew's sermon that I gave a couple of weeks back now, um, one of the suggestions I gave was, as you meet a character, ask the question, what soil type is this person that is meeting Jesus? Mm. Um, is Someone's asking, um, is this an example of rocky soil? Do you remember the rocky soil in the in the parable? It's um, the, the type that um, uh, sort of springs up for a little while, but the concerns of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth kind of mean that it, it doesn't put down roots, gets choked out. Um, right. Is, is, that the, is, um, is that the is that the thorns and thistles, I wonder? Is uh, rocky soil, yeah, rocky soil is, sun is the up? sun scorches it, which is persecution. Right. And it, it, it's actually, you're right, it's uh, thorns and thistles that, that are wealth that crowded out. Yeah. But someone's asking, look, what soil type is this guy? Yeah, I think, I think in fact neither of those. I think mm. he's pretty clearly an example of someone that as soon as he hears the word, the birds come snatch it away. Mm. Um, Satan whips away the word before there's any growth at all. So yeah. he, he hears the gospel word, come and follow me. And he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. He, he goes away sad. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't because he won't because he can't. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. So soil, soil one in that regard doesn't even begin a relationship. He doesn't initially follow Jesus and then think, oh, I like that wealth. I'm going to go back. He, mm. he never comes in the first place. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so again, just getting our bearings in the passage here, there's, it, there's this interesting little comment Um down in verses 28 through to um, 30 about um, where Jesus addresses the 12 who, having heard this encounter with the rich man, say, well, what about us? What, what hope is there for us? And mm. Jesus reassures them by saying, hey, I, I assure you that you guys are going to sit on the 12 thrones of, of Israel and judge uh, with me, you know. Um, and uh, somebody saying, look, in growth group, we were talking about this. What does that mean? What are the 12 disciples going to be doing? What's happening? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, mean, I kind of, I kind of think it just sort of means what it says that when everything gets renewed. So in the new age that God is bringing, uh, the twelve disciples will have a special role to mirror their special role in salvation history. So they are uniquely the twelve apostles whom Jesus commissions and sends out to um, authoritatively share the good news. That's mm. their role in salvation history. And then at the end, it seems they also have a special role, which is to uh, judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm. Now, um, one uh, thing that um, helpfully Sam, you pointed out as we discussed this a second ago, um, was that there is still Israel mm. at the restoration of all things. Mm. So there are bits of Matthew that might give you the impression, oh, is is God done with Israel? Is he going to mm. give Israel the boot and replace I'll it with the it church? Leave it all behind and just new thing now. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, well, no. Yeah. No, Jesus thinks that Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, are in the new creation. So that's worth noticing. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
in terms of judging, we probably shouldn't think of sort of like, you know, the day of judgment, uh, you know, um, delivering an authoritative verdict on mm. them for good or for ill. Yep. Um, we probably should think about judging in the sense of, you know, the judges in the book of Judges. Mm. That's where you find judges. <laughs> Um, they the spirit comes on and they run around they usually win a great big victory but then we hear like oh you know he judged Israel for so many years mm. and what that means is kind of um, kind of governing mm. like uh, dispensing justice um, and, and that seems to be the kind of picture that's on view so it's almost a picture of ruling alongside Jesus in the new age mm. um, more than it is like on the day that you die and stand before God, you're like, oh, I don't get God, I get one of the 12 to judge me. It's not It's not in that sort of um, sort of salvific casting a verdict on your life, sheep and the goats kind of moment, but actually in the new age, there's a, a huge responsibility that the 12 are going to have ruling alongside um, the Lord. Yeah, it seems something like that. Uh, although I think, you know, it's probably worth noting that the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne. There is a, um, yeah. there's no sense of kind of a, a co-regency again. You know, the Son of Man sits on the throne. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Helpful. All right. Um, let's dive in. There's a bunch of questions now just about kind of implications of this word, this good word um, to sort of um, he, and to hear the challenge on, on money and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, so we're going to dive into a few of those. Um, so someone's uh, put in a question saying um, that, um, you know, in the course of our service on Sunday, it was said, uh, if we come to Jesus with nothing, that's what we need to do. Um is giving up wealth something we have to do before we can come to Jesus? Um, if so, is that what it means that we come to Jesus with nothing? Or is it that we come to Jesus uh, and then we realize who he is by the work of the Spirit, we see him as more precious than anything we have, which then makes us give, make it, makes it possible for us to give up all we have, if that makes sense. So is this kind of like a precondition? I've got to just come bankrupt um, to, to, to Jesus beforehand or, or is it as I come to Jesus I see he's more precious and therefore I give up everything for him yeah um, it's a good question so I think it comes from uh, Raj and Sarah's talk at the Super Sunday yep. which uh, was brilliant and um, one, th- something that Raj and Sarah drew attention to was the episode that goes right before this one so before we meet this uh, rich young man we actually meet some even younger people little children mm. um, who come to Jesus who are brought to Jesus I mean they have nothing yeah. nothing at all uh, the disciples say, get lost, get him out of here. And yep. Jesus says, whoa, hang on a minute. That's who the kingdom belongs to. You better not stop them. Yeah. Um, and so uh, there's a really um, kind of helpful uh, principle for us here is that um, our gospels are very carefully written. So it's not the case that our gospel authors just sat down and thought, what, what can I remember about Jesus? And just wrote it all down. Mm-hmm. Everything they knew, everything they could think of in what order it came to them very carefully constructed, and often bits are put next to other bits to help us do a little bit of a compare and contrast. So this very impressive man runs up, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? He wants to get, but these little children just get carried up. They don't have anything. They don't have any real claim on Jesus. And theirs is a success story. Mm. Um, They are not prevented. Jesus says, let them come. This man is called, but he says, no, I will not come. Mm. And so there's a real contrast there. So uh, coming with nothing, I would say uh, it, that's a spiritual thing. 
Uh, not so much a case of uh, it's not that they ha- don't have money. Uh, it's that they come with this spiritually receptive yeah. posture, ra- rather than trying to achieve or yes. earn or demand something for themselves. Yeah, very helpful. Which reminds me, I think back in the Beatitudes um, in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus kind of begins that whole segment, and, and even begins his kind of public teaching ministry by with that really pithy phrase, "You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Those who come and say, "God, I've got not much to offer." Um, regardless of how much money they've got, but they, they come with that posture of, I don't, I got nothing here. Um, that That's the posture that, that God wants us to come to and like a little child, a, a dependent kind of, mm. yeah. So I, I don't think that financial destitution is a prerequisite for entry into the kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus probably should have mentioned it to everybody he met, <laughs> if it was, which, yeah. he, which he didn't. No, that's right. Um, and in any case, I mean, it's just... It's just another work, isn't it? Mm. Anybody can you can give your give your money away, and that's it's not going to earn salvation. Mm. Um, so it's not a prerequisite for entry to the kingdom of God, nor is it actually um, the necessarily the fruit of the spirit down the line that every follower of Jesus will, if they're really taking it seriously, ends up destitute. Yeah, um, that's 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 not actually the case. Yeah, thanks. Really helpful clarification. Um, all right, just pushing on in implications for for how how I live in response to this. There's a great question someone's um, put in, which is it's quite a simple one, but a, but a good one, which is how do I work out if I'm too far possessed by money? You made the really helpful, um, you used the language of rather than possessing money, money actually possesses us, it owns us, it's kind of become our God. And that's, that's a problem um, that Jesus is really kind of zeroing in on here. Um, so how do I work out if I am too possessed by money? Yeah, I mean, it's a... It's a great question. Uh, I I think you know at the risk of being a bit flip, just assume you probably are. Mm. I mean, you live you live in Sydney. Yeah. Um, plenty of money sloshing around this city. Uh, you gotta have it, uh, and you gotta hustle for it. You gotta think about it a lot if you want to live in this town. Mm. Um, it's the air we breathe. So you probably are. Yeah. Yeah. So so kind of come from a a um an assumption that I that I am probably part of this culture and therefore I am. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's help that's been helpful for me just to say like, okay, let's just let let's not assume that I'm immune to my environment. Let's yeah. assume yep. that that this has got its hooks in me and start from yeah. there. So it could it could it be and again it's it's often we're answering questions here in absence of relationship and so there's no no assumption here, but sometimes I reckon I might ask this question because I'm really hoping that the answer is, oh, don't worry, Sam, you're not, so you don't have to change a thing. Mm. If that makes sense, I'm actually sometimes asking this kind of question because I want to just justify myself and go, sweet, that whole thing about giving away money and having to change, yeah. that's for someone else. Sure, who's... if you have a yacht, you're too possessed yeah, by money. If you me, don't, you're fine. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm not possessed by it in any way, so great. I can, I can ignore this and move on. And so that's quite a helpful thing to actually say. Most likely, given that I've got a human heart, <laughs> then I'm prob- and I live in this kind of place, and then I'm probably, yeah, caught up on, um, yeah, on money, um, yeah. Um, if uh, now yachts, you know, we often look look up upstream and think um, they're more rich than me. Are there any things any things that I should look out for though um, in my own kind of heart or any way to kind of do a bit of a litmus test to see how I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's helpful. So you want to move beyond just assuming. You want to be able to figure out, like, okay, yeah. am I? And how do I know that? And where's that impacting my life? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I would, I would, you know, take a little bit of a, you might like to take a bit of a, a, a kind of a 
temperature check on, say, your cost of living, right? Mm. Uh, sorry, not your cost of living, your standard of living. Mm. So uh, what's your standard of living like compared to five years ago, compared to 10 years ago, compared to 15 years ago? Uh, and, you know, why? Uh, what has changed? Why has it changed? And, and uh, how do you think about uh, living like you used to live five or 10 or 15 years ago, if you, if you had to live at that standard, um, how do you feel about that? Uh, I think it's just a great, very simple, concrete way uh, to, um, to, to, to see if you're far too possessed by money is um, peel off a bit of money and give it away, mm. uh, you know, like a non-trivial amount and just see how that feels. Mm. You know, see if you um, all of a sudden find yourself inventing reasons to not do that. Mm. Uh, if it gets very sticky in your hand as you're trying to let it go, that might be a pretty good indication mm. that uh, this is a bit of a problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's really helpful wisdom. And, and um, like I think for me, like one of the things that I, I found quite helpful as a young man was seeing, getting shown access to somebody else's um, way of thinking about generosity, which I think just made me see in my own life how how very little uh, of a generous heart I had at that at that time it was when we were doing marriage prep. We we were just the couple who were preparing us. Sort of were quite open and candid about the way they think about money. And I think for me that was just seeing somebody else's um, approach to it was was really really helpful. They just they had a huge amount of generosity. They had a full giving portfolio that they had of lots of different things. And part of the issue here, I, I think, is that in our culture for some reason we we talking about money and what we do with it is sort of politely off off limits mm. if you know what i mean mm. like for, for um and i think in, it's not always the case in all cultures but in our culture it kind of is that it's a bit rude for me to ask you how much you earn and how much of that you give away and um, Definitely. we we don't want to talk about that because i found great help in this in this couple opening up to us and showing us um what who they gave to and what they gave and how much of a percentage that worked out to be of their household income and uh, and i can remember them saying to us you know um, this year we're just on 16% and we're praying that God would give us 17 or 18% next year. You know, and they had this goal of actually not, not how much more can we keep, but how can, can we push ourselves and stretch ourselves to give more away because they wanted to see a return on their investments, which is not, not their shares or their, or their property, but actually on their giving. And uh, for me, that just was like, oh, that's so helpful that someone was so open sharing with, with their giving. So, mm. um, yeah, I really love that idea of uh, being generous, being the goal rather than holding on, yeah, holding on to what I can. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's some thoughts. Um, keep keep talking about these things together and uh, opening up and talking about money and, and our and our hearts and, and not hiding that stuff away. Um, okay, let's dive into some more. Um, somebody's asking, um, great sermon, Peter. Is there a role for a rich Christian? Um, is there a role for a rich Christian? Well, I think I'll yeah refer you to Jesus. Um, it's hard for someone who's rich to get into the kingdom of heaven. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I've not seen many camels go through needles. They're big. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right, so I've, I've been a little bit flippant here. <laughs> um, is there a role for a rich Christian? Um, I do want to uh, actually just kind of resist going there. So I think as I mentioned in the sermon... I when I when I read this like 
for real, what my heart is doing is saying, okay, yeah, sure, I get that, Jesus, but but could you just please explain how it's okay for me to hold on to my mm. money, yep. stay rich, and still get saved? I would really like to hear about that, please. Yeah, sure. Um, and I think that in me is just, um, well, that's just simple, isn't it? That's mm. just, it's just, there's no other way to say it. It's just simple. So mm. um, I need to say, all right, take a beat, hear this word, hear it as a word to me, mm. um, don't figure out how to get comfortable with, with being rich. Mm. Figure out how to stop riches from preventing you entering God's kingdom. Like that's mm. that's the first call of this passage. Yep. So is there something like just to kind of interrogate our Bible reading methods here just for a minute? Like I'm just thinking of this as, as we talk, Pete. Um, often we'll say when we're thinking about a difficult idea in the Bible, which is we, we, we want to say read scripture in light of scripture. Mm. Uh, and it's worth saying that this is not the only passage that speaks about money and other things in the Bible, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's lots of other things there. And yet sometimes I wonder in this kind of moment, if we go to all the other places and we say, look, here's a rich person and here's someone who is generous and this person was, you know, and, and there's other bits of the Bible to look at, isn't there? Mm. Um, both old and new Testament. Um, but the danger with that, it's a good habit in, in reading scripture in light of other bits of scripture. The danger in this particular moment is we then release the the sharpness or take take away the blunt, blunt the sharpness of Jesus' word here, isn't it? That we, that we want to go great. Phew, there is a place for rich Christians, and and you know, and I think that there's more to say on this passage, isn't there? But we we take away that edge of this word, and then we think, great, I don't have to respond to it. Yeah, and for that reason, I've sort of deliberately been. A little bit of a fundamentalist about this. Hmm. Yeah, so taking okay. this and saying, no, 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 listen and do what it says. Yeah, um, sure. For Just precisely for that reason, um, because it's not a, you know, when I want to go off to those other ma- uh, passages, yeah. and I do, yeah. it's, it's not a matter of like, oh, but I just really want to develop a good full-orbed understanding. Yeah, of that's it. my goal here, of course. Yes, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's because I it's because I love money. Yeah. I just want to keep it and still yeah. get saved. Yeah. Um, and so it's for that for that reason, um, that very good impulse that you, you talk about of like consulting mm. across scripture and bringing it all together. Yeah. Um, I, w- I wouldn't say, no, let's not do that, but take a beat. Yeah. Take a beat. Hear this word and then put it together with the other yeah. words. Thank you, mate. That's, that's really helpful. And thanks for pushing us on um, not not letting this kind of not let our hearts get away from this. I think that's that's an important just moment for us pastorally to sit under the word of God and, and let it speak to us and challenge us and, you know, cause us to repent should we need to. So, mm. yeah. All right, so let, let's push along. Um, uh, I sort of feel like, uh, yeah, I think we've covered that one. Um, someone said here, you used this idea of profaning mammon. I think you borrowed that from a, from a theologian um, yes. in, in your sermon, the idea of uh, like showing the thing that, you think is sacred to just be another plain old thing, you know, just to treat it as it actually deserves to be treated as a, a very usual thing. Um, and uh, someone, someone's really appreciated that. And they've um, heard sort of teaching on this passage before about being more generous. And then they've said, um, but they feel like there's a danger. You could take that idea too far where money is frivolously not valued uh, or on the other side where um, it actually creates an obsession about how much money you do or, or therefore don't have as you've given it all away. And so the question behind that question, I think, is what's the big idea here? Is the big idea that Jesus is getting at um, about what controls your heart, i.e. is it God or money? Or um, is it actually about how much money you've got? Like, you know, X amount is too much and you better give it away. Um, and, and in that sense, giving 
as the sort of um, uh, um, cure for, for this, in the first one, giving is like a mechanism by which it frees you from money's control over your heart. In the second one, giving is like essential because you can't have, you know, if you've got $100,000, that's too much even to give it away. Mm. You kind of, so which, which of those sort of frameworks is, is it that we're dealing with here? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a good question. And just uh, actually, I'm going to take, take the opportunity to uh, apologize for talking about mammon, especially some of our, um, some of our younger folk who sure. had a little bit of, what is that? What and is I should that? have said, I did. Yeah. Um, in, in, in maybe some of your older um, translations, when Jesus says, um, you can't serve God and money, um, so the actual word he uses is mammon, which yeah. means money, yep. you know, possession stuff. And uh, you used to just have mammon untranslated uh, in your Bible or sometimes a footnote. Nowadays, not even a footnote. So people say, oh, where's a mammon? What is that? Yeah, so It's money, yep. possessions. But yep. I think coming from a, the particular angle of it's like godlike aspect, I yeah. think Jesus almost invents kind of a demon name to give yeah. to it. Interesting. Um, so anyway, that aside, what is it? What are we talking about here? Why giving? Um, I think it's the first because it's about what rules your heart. Um, so uh, money can rule your heart. Jesus sets money and God up as two servants, uh, two masters, that a, person, masters. Yeah, yeah. that a person can serve. Um, and so I think giving is, is, is uh, we've been saying this again and again, not something that abs- has an absolute spiritual benefit, like you give and um, God, you know, racks up some treasure for heaven uh, for you in heaven mm-hmm. um, or you earn your salvation or something like that yep. um, giving in itself can come from all kinds of places mm-hmm. and it can be you know it can be an, exp- an expression of sin yeah well, uh, the, 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 uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector you know the Pharisee's proud of how much he gives you that's know? right and it's in that sense giving away his money is actually an obstacle to the kingdom you know uh, whereas yeah. the tax collector has got all this money um, is, is right into the kingdom it's right interesting isn't it absolutely yeah yeah um, so, uh, I, I have tried to suggest that the issue, the heart issue, the heart issue is the real issue, mm. and giving is is a means to addressing mm. that heart issue. That um, so close is money to our hearts that if we give it away, that actually helps to loosen its hold mm. on our hearts. Uh, is what um, is is the idea kind of behind this profaning mammon, and I think it's a helpful. Uh, and a useful one for us in terms of is there an absolute amount? I mean, I just don't really know where you'd find that in scripture. The sense that um, mm. uh, there's there's a, an acceptable amount of money to have, and you know, you you give for the sake of kind of calibrating your wealth level to mm. the acceptable yeah. level. Yeah, you made a helpful comment as we were preparing to just discussing some of these questions before Peter about um, I think Bonhoeffer's idea. Some of you will know Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a theologian, a sort of around the World War II mark in Germany, and he sort of uh, writes on this about um, th- there is a reality that we that money kind of, we, we can't fully get rid of it, but um, wouldn't it be lovely to, to live in a world where it didn't, wasn't so, quite so controlling, you know, that, that kind of idea. Um, and I think that's the kind of heart that we want to have, uh, that, that we would not be controlled by. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, he kind of talks about like, uh, if if you get if you get this word if you really get this word you sort of feel oh I'd be much happier if I could just not have it not have not have the money at all I guess like I need to buy bread sometimes so, so I'm gonna have to have some I'm gonna have to have some but I would be much happier if I could just do exactly what Jesus said with mm-hmm. it all yeah yeah and that's that is a heart thing isn't it mm. um, rather than a, a how much how many dollars are in your account kind of thing yeah absolutely yeah all right excellent um. Uh, I think we've got one more, so let, let's dive in there. This is a really um, helpful question, I think. Uh, somebody's noting, look, the, the, 
this guy walks away sorrowful because he's kind of possessed and entangled and enslaved by his sin and he loves his money so much that he can't let it go. Um, is there a parallel here? And if so, is there any hope for those in severe long-term drug abuse or alcohol abuse or those kind of things, uh, those who are enslaved and so possessed by the, the deceitful pleasures of sin and they just get completely messed up by it? Um, is, that, is there a parallel here? And if so, what is it? Are these people, are people who are stuck in maybe drug abuse kind of just done for like this poor man addicted to his money? Mm. Um, yeah, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, um, I think it is a, a, a great observation and, um, and question from, from this, uh, this brother or this sister. Um, yeah, really fascinating parallel with, with addiction. And, and uh, you do find sometimes uh, people uh, talk about sin in this way. We often tend to think of sin as rule-breaking. Mm. And so, you know, I kind of have the option to break the rule or keep the rule. And I sort of, you know, I sort of decide. And if I'm a bit naughty, I'll break the rule. But mm. if I'm being, you know, being diligent, I'll keep it. Um, now, the Bible talks about sin as, as breaking God's law. Um, but also uh, points to sin as, as something kind of bigger than that, something that uh, actually we can't not do. Mm. Not just something that we do or don't do, but something we can't not do. And uh, I think that's actually what's happening to here. He mm. cannot, he will not. Uh, he's he, he, stuck. Yes, he's stuck. That's mm. right. Um, and yet much like an addict, some, a power has him in its grasp. Mm. He can't get away from it. Yeah. Um, and... That, that, I think, is a fascinating and a frightening way to think about um, money and the hold that money can have mm. over us. Uh, we don't, we, we, by, by engaging with it, we lose the option to leave it alone. Mm. Um, it gets a hold on us. And so it's worth thinking, you know, am, I a, am I a money addict or mm. am I on the path to money mm. addiction? So is there a hope then, just to, to first up, just tackle the, the, the person who is in an abusive addiction to, to something quite damaging. Um, is there hope for, for them, for that kind of person to, in light of the gospel? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, I want to say absolutely yes. Yes, of course there is hope. Um, and uh, what Jesus says, you know, uh, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Mm. Um, and so uh, substances can can exercise a terrible hold over us, mm. you know, uh, a hold that we we're, we're unable, unable to break under our own strength. Mm. Um, but uh, God can do the impossible. Uh, mm. And it would be the testimony of people who are involved with programs like Overcomers Outreach mm. um, that uh, calling on the power of God yeah. um, makes a difference yeah. in, in, in breaking the hold of um, addictive and destructive behavior so not only can god but but i would say god wants to help those people and and, and god uh, offers god's help offers a way out of that situation and so just bringing it now back around to money um is there a parallel for us here who may well as we said at the start of this kind of episode you know we, we this is part of the air that we breathe we assume that we are at one level um <laughs> caught up with money is there something here that, that actually that we need to go to god and say god actually on my own, I can't break myself out of this. I need you to do this. I need your help to do Like, is there something quite, like, not dissimilar to, you know, if, if you were dealing with someone who had an alcohol addiction, you'd say, right, go to AA, say the affirmation, do all the stuff that, you know, much of which has come out of a Christian worldview. Um, is, there, is there something like that that we need for ourselves? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's an interesting question, isn't it? I think I, my understanding is that a part of the... Um, 
in, in the addiction and recovery world, a part of what um, is sometimes necessary for people is uh, to hit bottom, mm. um, to have, have an experience that uh, is just, just exposes undeniably that, that, that this way of life is an unsustainable and a, and a destructive one. Um, and it's, it's interesting to think about what would that experience be in terms of your um, in terms of your spiritual life and your walk uh, to do with money mm. what would a hitting bottom experience be uh, I, I find it hard to know but but potentially you know maybe a confrontation with a word like this mm. and where Jesus kind of this is, a, I think, a real spiritual rock bottom for this man. Which, yeah. um, the Son of God calls him to come face to face, and yeah. and he walks off sad. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yes, I, I do wonder what kind of a crisis would would provoke yeah. that kind of a radical turning away for us. But mm. um, you know, maybe maybe you're listening to this, and and this is your crisis. Maybe mm. you hear the voice of God saying, "Come and follow," and and you're learning about the. The hold that money actually has mm. on you, um, preventing you from a wholehearted discipleship. Mm. Um, so, yeah, seek God's help. I mean, you, yeah, we can't we can't wriggle out of it, can we? Mm. We can't wriggle out. No, that's of it. right. I mean, I found it fascinating. A couple of years ago, well, a number of years ago now, I um, walked side by side with someone um, who um, admitted uh, for the first time um, in a conversation with me for, to a gambling addiction, mm. and uh, as as things came out and we were talking about it together um, that they at the heart of the gambling addiction there was addictive behavior in there but really there was a greed there was a I, I, it was a I see this as a pathway to quick money and I can't stop you know mm. and uh, and it was a it was a moment of, of rock bottom of having made a made a bet that they can't they couldn't pay and uh, there was trouble and they needed to get help to, to kind of bail out financially and all sorts of difficult things that happened through that moment um, and it was fascinating as I was reflecting on my own heart walking alongside them it made me realize I may not be doing the addictive behavior, but I think I have the same heart, which is that I want the riches and I, you know, I, and, I, and there's a danger in thinking, oh, well, I would never do that. Actually, my heart's just the same. And actually at one level, this guy who went through this thing, um, it, it changed him in a really positive way in the end. Um, it was an awful experience and a difficult thing to go through, but I think very helpful to have gone through if, if you kind of follow my meaning there, because he was able to be, the, the the rock bottom moment enabled him to break out of a, a way of thinking about money that that wasn't wasn't good. Um, and sometimes I think if, if, if when you don't have that, you, you convince yourself that you don't have a problem. You, yeah, are you kind of with me. And I think I'd want to say like let's not let's not wait for some sort of life destroying confrontation yeah. between greed and the kingdom. Um, yeah. uh, if this could be a problem, get on to That's get right. on it now. Get That's on it exactly today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Um, hopefully there's something in that for you just to ponder and, and think about and pray about and, and ask for God's help in, in your own heart. Um, each of us have, have got to hear this word from God as a, as a kind of call to come and follow and, and uh, give up all before we b- before the throne of God. And so, uh, yeah, I hope there's something for you to ponder and, and do business with God in light of that. Um, I think that's it for today, Pete. We've, we've that's of, right. We've hit the end of the questions. Yes. So. Now, you're you're going to bring us God's word this weekend, Sam, on this next part of Matthew. Can you give us a little... Um, forecast what that's are we right have? so in some of our congregations on sunday um we hit matthew chapter 20 and uh jesus tells the story right off the back of this encounter actually he tells the story the parable of the the, the workers in the vineyard and this sort of outrageous story where these folk have been working since early in the day 
uh, get paid a day's wage, but then there are some who are brought in right at the, at the sort of the 11th hour, literally, uh, and get paid the same amount. And there's outrage that it's not fair. And uh, we're going to be exploring this whole question of, of fairness in God's kingdom um, versus God's just rich generosity to people who don't deserve it. So uh, that's where. So if you want to, if you want to prep up for that, have a read of Matthew chapter 20 and uh, just ponder that that story that Jesus tells. It's uh, it's a great parable and uh, it's got a lot of insight for us about the kingdom that we're going to be thinking through this weekend. That's Brilliant. where we're going. Looking forward to it. And we'll do some questions on that next week. Mm, great. Okay. Thanks, Pete. Good times. We'll see you at church on Sunday, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, everyone. Bye.